Hey guys, welcome back again. Today's episode is going to be talking about how to use bill pay for manufactured spend. And towards the end, I'm also going to be talking a little bit about taxes. That was something that was requested by some people. And by the way, if anyone has any recommendations for things they want to hear on the show, feel free to reach out to me by email. You can email churninglife at gmail.com or you can just respond to any of the emails that I send out through the email list. So before I start talking about bill pay, I would like to announce that I have started a Patreon page for this show. This is just going to be a way for people to support the show if they want. And I will be posting some things on there related to manufactured spend that I don't want to publicly say. So if you want to know like what specific banks that I'm using for bank funding, those are the kind of details that I'll be including in the Patreon. And I'm also hoping that people might make use of the comment section in the Patreon posts as kind of like a discussion board or a question and answer. That way, whenever I answer someone's question, other people can see it. But signing up is by no means required. The podcast and the email list will continue to be free, so there's not any bait and switch there. And before people start complaining about how I'm selling out, it's not like I'm getting rich from this. You know, I do have some expenses for this podcast, like hosting the show, and pretty soon I'm going to be starting to pay for my mailing list because you only get 1,000 free email sends a month from MailChimp, and I'll be exceeding that pretty soon. So really, I'm just trying to break even, and I'm hoping to get to the point where I can hire someone to edit the podcast, and that would free up more of my time so I could record more episodes, I could send out more deal alerts, and I could devote more time to researching new techniques that I would then be able to talk about on the show. So you can find a link to the Patreon on the website, or you can just go to patreon.com slash churninglife. And thanks to anyone who decides to sign up. Okay, so yeah, let's get started. And what is bill pay? Well, as it sounds, it is a service that allows you to pay bills. So for organic bills, you can use this to pay utilities or property taxes. Although for me, I can't do that because the property taxes are already handled by the mortgage servicing company. Another thing that people do is to open up a HELOC and draw money out of that and then use the bill pay to pay it back. So these are all some good ways to use bill pay, but of course you'll be limited by the amount of the bill. So unless your property taxes are incredibly high, you'll start to run into this limit pretty quickly. So what if I told you that you could just bill pay yourself directly into your checking account? And I already know that some people are going to get mad about me saying this publicly, but just know that, I mean, this podcast only gets like a few hundred downloads, which is less than the number of people in the private forums where this is discussed. I think the conversation might be a bit different if there was thousands of people listening to this. So yeah, using bill pay to pay your checking account is a thing. And I'll be talking about how to do this with each of the main bill pay providers. So the first one that I'll be talking about is Plastic. So Plastic started out as a way to pay bills with your credit card. And they started out pretty good, like they had some good promotions where you could charge a certain amount to your credit card without paying any fee. 
and they actually had only a 1% fee for debit cards, and they slowly went downhill from there. They stopped accepting Amex, and more and more card issuers started putting restrictions on what things that you could pay for with plastic, and they also limited which debit cards could get that 1% fee. So back in the day when PayPal Key was around, plastic was actually very lucrative. I knew some people that MS'd a ton using that, so nowadays, there's very few gift cards that still have that 1% fee, but you can always use any gift card and be getting that 2.9% fee, which might still make sense depending on what you paid for the gift card. So the whole plastic UI is fairly self-explanatory. Most of you have probably already used it to pay a real bill with your credit card, but how do you use this to just pay your bank account? So this is not possible with most banks, but it is possible with some smaller credit unions. And it does take some trial and error, but what I've done is go to the vendors tab and go to create a vendor and start typing in the name of the credit union that you're trying to link. And what you want to find is a credit union that pre-fills the information. So if you search for the credit union and you can't find any results, then that one is probably not going to work. Like you don't want to be entering in all the information manually except for just your account number. But if it does auto-populate and it already pre-fills the address and it has the word bill pay, it will probably work. So for each of these, you want to be sending a small test payment just to make sure that you get it on the receiving bank. And yeah, that's pretty much all there is to it. So I know it is possible to also send yourself a check with plastic through some sort of fake bill, but I haven't really tried to go this route yet. I don't know, it just feels a little bit sketch to me, and I think plastic would put a bit more scrutiny on your account if you are paying a merchant that isn't already in their system, like these credit unions are. But even with the credit unions, I would say try not to go too ham. I have heard that plastic might cancel your payment if you do too much volume at a time. I usually just do around 3k at a time and haven't had any issues so far. But if you do get flagged like that, I've heard that you can just wait like a week and then start again and everything's fine. So for plastic, I'm not going to be saying the names of the banks that I'm using to hit publicly. But I will say the type of gift card that is still getting a 1% fee on plastic, and those are the MasterCard gift cards issued by US Bank, and you can buy these from most Kroger's and Kroger affiliates. So if you're paying $7 for a $500 gift card, and then you're paying 1% to liquidate it, that's a 2.4% MS method. And actually, as I was recording this episode, Plastic just added an additional $1 transaction fee. So this method is actually downgraded to a 2.6% cost MS method. So you might be thinking, well, I'm already at the grocery store to buy the gift card. Why don't I just buy the money order there and that'll be cheaper? That might be easy for people who have a good person working at the customer service desk, but I mean, for me, I would rather not wait in line and potentially get rejected when I could just pay a 1% fee instead of $1 per money order. And I have also heard some reports that US Bank gift cards have stopped working at Kroger for money orders, so that might already be dead anyway. But yeah, this 
type of gift card is i think one of the last if not the last gift card that is still working at one percent at plastic so hopefully this one doesn't die as well okay so the next method of bill pay is paypal bill pay you may have already heard of it and with this one you can actually set up a bunch of different payees you can actually pay off your credit card bills with this one in addition to just sending money to your checking account although i would kind of caution against paying your credit card bills with bill pay some people say that it's fine but some people say that it may add more scrutiny to your accounts when you pay your credit card bill with PayPal bill pay or really any bill pay for that matter, it comes in as an anonymous payment. So I've heard that in particular Chase doesn't like them. I've also heard that Barclays doesn't like them. So for me, I don't really like to make things too complicated. I think I'd rather just pay my checking account anyway. And to set up your pays with PayPal, it's pretty similar to plastic where you want to be searching for your credit union in the bill pay setup, enter in your account number and set up a small test payment to make sure that it works. And actually nowadays there aren't too many use cases left for PayPal bill pay. I don't know of any gift cards that still work as debit for them. There is still one type of card that still works and I'll probably putting an article in the Patreon in one to two weeks on that one. And there is also a 1% cashback debit card that was around towards the beginning of this year and then it died and then we have like a rep from that bank that keeps telling us it's going to be coming back. So hopefully in the next month or so that'll pan out. Some people might think that a 1% cashback debit card is not worth it using PayPal bill pay. And that's because last year and towards the beginning of this year, the Coinbase debit card was paying 4% cash back using PayPal bill pay. And this was just kind of nuts to me in terms of how easy it was to make money with this and how much money you could make. I think it was all just kind of fed by the crypto boom. But yeah, so the Coinbase debit card was paying 4% and it had a daily limit of $2,500. But then you could get multiple accounts up to 20 accounts per SSN. They did shut down the account once you had generated more than about $2,000 worth of rewards, but you could just keep making new accounts up to, well I heard the limit was 20 accounts, I never got that high. Towards the end of this, which is when I caught on to it, they were starting to crack down and they actually did give me a 30-day ban for my SSN when I was opening my fifth account with them, I think. But this was already after generating about six or $7,000 worth of rewards from them. So this opportunity is no longer available, but it is always worth keeping these bill payment options in your mind whenever you see a new kind of debit card feature. And it is also possible that some of these could come back from the dead. So just keep on the lookout for that. And that brings me to the next bill pay provider and that is Western Union. So this one is similar to the other ones where you search for a biller online. And then what you can do is say that I'm going to pay the bill in cash. And then you go to Walgreens and there they will let you pay with cash or debit. So when you're on the Western Union app or online, you want to make sure that you select bill pay and not send money. If you select send money, then it will just have a much higher fee because that is supposed to be meant for peer-to-peer -peer transfers. 
However, if you are new to Western Union, you do get your first transfer free if you are using Apple Pay or debit. But if you are using Apple Pay, you do just need to be very careful that you won't be getting charged as a cash advance. I have heard that MasterCard works better for this but this is not something that I have figured out yet. Anyways, for the bill pay, once you set up the bill and you go to Walgreens, you can use pretty much any gift card, but the reason that most people aren't doing this anymore is because the Metabank gift cards, those have that store-wide $485 limit which is very annoying because those are the gift cards that you can commonly buy at Staples and Office Depot with your Chase Inc. cash cards. One gift card that I might recommend using is the Serve Pay As You Go card and those you can get from Walmart and they just have a $1.50 fee and then it's a $1 fee for every transaction. I suppose if you get a $500 card and then you ask the Walgreens associate to split the payment for $499 on one card, that might be a little awkward. These cards don't auto-drain, so you have to account for that $1 transaction fee. But Walgreens is actually pretty lenient on using gift cards for bill pay. It's not like when you try to buy money orders at the grocery store or Walmart or something, where it can be kind of a crapshoot on whether or not you're able to actually buy the money order with the gift card. There you sometimes need to make a note of which of the workers will let you do it and which ones won't. You may have gone as far as to map out a particular employee's schedule to make sure that you come at the right time. The fee for Western Union bill pay is $5 and you can do up to $5,000 per bill. And then the last bill pay service I'm going to talk about is Melio. And this one is mostly dead, I think. They eliminated their reduced fees for debit cards a while back. And so now it's just a 2.9% fee for any type of card. I don't think that you can use a credit card to be paying any kind of financial type bill like a credit union, but even if you did, it would still be a 2.9% fee, so it's not really anything to write home about. I will say though that they are very shutdown happy and you 100% need to be using a biller or payee that is already pre-filled in their system. You cannot create a biller by entering in their bank account information manually or they will just immediately shut you down. But yeah, apparently back in the day, Emilio used to be really good for a lot of people with their low fees for debit. I only started learning about them recently, but yeah, I have heard that Emilio, you can do a lot more volume than you can with like plastic. So yeah, that is all I got for the topic of bill pay. I would say that this is a pretty advanced method of MS. And if you are new to MS, I would say maybe just start with like the basics, just so you can get comfortable with moving a lot of money around. And I would always say with each of these methods, you want to be testing it out with a small amount first. With bill pay, there aren't really any ways to lose money, but it is possible for your funds to get held up. 
So I would just make sure that you have access to some short-term liquidity in case that does happen. The last thing that you want is to be paying that 20 or 25% interest on these credit cards because you're waiting on some bank that has held your funds or maybe they shut down your account and you're waiting on them to send you a check in the mail. So just be careful and don't float more than you're comfortable with. Okay, so the next topic that I wanted to talk about is on taxes, and this was actually requested by a couple of my listeners. And of course, I do need to say that I am not a tax professional. This is not tax advice. I'm just going to be talking about some events that have happened with taxes and credit card rewards and talk about what kind of questions you might want to ask when you're working on the taxes with your tax professional. I did have a previous episode where I mentioned there was this landmark case there was a couple that was buying a bunch of reloadable debit cards and money orders directly with their credit card and the court ruled that they did have to pay taxes on the rewards that were earned from that. But they ruled that they did not have to pay taxes when they bought gift cards with their credit cards because gift cards are a product but they did not comment on whether or not they had to pay taxes if they had first bought a gift card and then used that to buy a money order. I have heard that they have these tax conventions every year for tax professionals to go to, and this is always a topic for discussion for them. And some people might wonder, like, does it matter if you cash out the points directly or if you use the points to purchase an airline ticket? Does it matter if this airline ticket is for personal or business purposes? What happens if you purchase an airline ticket for someone else and then they pay you? This is somewhat unrelated, but there are some IRS guidelines that talk about how frequent flyer miles that are earned from business travel, like from flying in an actual plane, those aren't counted as a taxable benefit, but it does say that this guideline does not apply if those miles are somehow cashed out. But like I said, there is a lot of gray area on how points and miles should be taxed. There was actually this entire product that was built on the premise that all credit card rewards are not taxable. And that was the Amex wire transfer product. They were making it so that you could earn one membership rewards point per dollar on wire transfers, but then you would be paying a 1.77% transaction fee. And the way they marketed this was that the business could deduct that 1.77% transaction fee. And then when they cashed out those membership rewards points at 1.1 cents per point, they would actually break even with the taxes that they were saving. And if you were listening to what I said before, you know, this is not a thing. We already had that IRS ruling that said any rewards that are earned on this kind of cash transaction are subject to tax. So I don't think Amex actually faced any legal trouble other than some bad news articles that were written about them. But it makes it sound like not even Amex knows the rules about how points and miles are subject to tax. But I would say that if you're doing any kind of significant buying group or gift card reselling activity, and you are doing that in order to try to make a profit, 
then it is likely that you would need to be paying taxes on that. There are some people on the buying group discord that think that the 5% cash back on the Amazon cards is not considered as taxable revenue because they think that all credit card rewards and cash back are not taxable. So they don't pay any tax because they say that they're not making any money from these Amazon deals. And I would just say, you know, don't take your tax advice from Discord or even from this show. But yeah, so for the buying groups, I am doing that for profit as a business. But I mean, I don't know, if you're just buying like $10,000 worth of stuff with your Amex Business Platinum card to try to reach that sign-up bonus, that does become quite the gray area. And this is probably where you would start to need your tax professional to come in and tell you what to do. I will say that if you're doing a lot of volume, one recommendation that I might give would be to just think about what would happen if someone else needed to unravel all of your financial activity and what steps might you be able to take to make it easier in case that does happen. And if you're doing buying groups as a business like I am, you don't want to be commingling funds. Keep the buying group stuff separate from the other stuff. Like, I would almost say don't be buying anything with your Amazon Prime credit card that isn't for buying groups. Or at least try to keep, like, some record of what was for personal use or business use. But yeah, even that, I would probably want to talk to the tax professional about whether or not that's okay. And yeah, as far as other MS activities that aren't buying groups or gift card reselling, I don't know, it just is tough because it still is a gray area. And I would say, like, if you are making a significant amount of money doing this, you probably do need to be paying taxes on it. Suppose that you made $100,000 in a year in cash from churning. How are you going to explain to an IRS auditor that that was just a hobby? I don't know, maybe some people listening might find it kind of shocking that when you make a lot of money, you need to be paying tax, but that's just how life works works. On the other side of the spectrum, suppose that you and your wife earn 1 million points in a year and you just use all of that to fund some free vacations for your family. You might have a better shot at explaining how that shouldn't be taxable income. But then if you are counting this as a business and you are paying taxes, then that does also mean that you can be deducting business expenses. But yeah, once you start classifying as a business, that just kind of opens up a whole lot of stuff that you have to think about as far as like the taxes and the deductions. And then there's also ways that you can structure the business like with a corporation. But again, you definitely should be talking to a tax professional who can give you advice on your specific situation. So yeah, hopefully that was enough and kind of answers that question that people had. Like I said, you know, it is kind of hard because there's a lot of gray area. And if anyone has any other questions that they would like answered on the show, I'd be happy to hear from you. You can email me at churninglife at gmail.com. 
And I'm always happy to answer any other questions or even just to hear about your success story. Like if anyone took advantage of the Australia business class and first class deals that I sent out a deal alert for, I'd love to hear from you. I already have all of my vacations planned for the next year. Otherwise, I would definitely be going. And yeah, I guess I'm kind of hoping that people don't get too mad about all of the MS information that I've given out for free in the first part of the episode, but also feel free to reach out to me for any questions about that. And I also want to say that I just listened to the most recent episode of The Daily Churn and I got his shout out. I really appreciate that. That brought a lot of traffic over here, actually. And he was really the one that inspired me to get started with this. One feedback that I have gotten is that I haven't disclosed what my name is yet. And one reason is that, well, my full name is actually a very unique name. So if someone knew that, they would immediately be able to find my LinkedIn and also find like where I live. And then the other thing is that I do use my first name in some of these private groups that I'm a part of. And I'm a bit worried that if they're somehow able to figure out that it's me that's doing this podcast and they're unhappy with all of the information that I'm giving out that they might kick me out of their group. Even though the stuff that I'm talking about isn't really that secret. And I mean, if it's talked about in a group that has more members than the number of people listening to this podcast, then really the only difference is that those people are paying $20 a month to be in that group. So I'm hoping you can understand my reasons there. And I am trying to figure out like what people can call me. Maybe just call me CL or maybe I could just come up with like a pen name. I think it would be good to have something in case I ever want to go to a meetup and do some churning networking. So yeah, I'll figure something out later. So yeah, that's all I have for today and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>